Auzu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanta'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Assalamu alaykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi'uzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. Inshallah, in this episode we are going to read the third word. Third word is the third treatise in the book, The Words. Bismillah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate, or the merciful, the mercy giver. Ya ayyuhanna su'budu. O people, O you people, worship God. This is from the Surah Al-Baqarah. The uh, verse 21, the interpretation or attempt to translate the meaning of the verse in its entirety would be as follows. Now, O humankind, worship your nurturing master, Rab, who has created you as well as those before you and brought you up in your human nature and identity so that you may attain reverent piety toward him and his protection against any kind of strain and its consequent punishment in this world and the hereafter. Ustad Nursi has placed the beginning of this uh, verse. Ya ayyuhanna su'abudu, O you people, worship God at the beginning of this treatise. And the treatise, the third word, is an interpretation of this phrase from the verse or is inspired by this verse. <coughs> İbadet ne büyük bir ticaret ve saadet. Fısk ve sefahet ne büyük bir hasaret ve helaket olduğunu anlamak istersen şu temsili hikayeye bak, dinle. If you want to understand what a profitable trade and what great bliss lie in worshiping God, ibadet, and what great loss and ruin result from transgression, fısk and dissipation, sefahet. Pay attention to this parable. Listen, we should remember here that the first eight words are written in the form of parables of a military nature. And parables and metaphors are the foundational method of the Risale-i-Nur in explaining otherwise complex uh, realities in an easier, in a facilitated way to the reader or to the listener in this case. So there will be a parable. The parable is going to set a cognitive pattern in our minds. It's going to set an example in our minds and we are then going to use that example to understand a higher reality. What is that higher reality that we want to understand? From the beginning, Ustad Nursi is informing us about that. So we have the right intention in listening to the parable or the rest of the treatise. That is, if you want to understand what a profitable trade and what great bliss lie in worshipping God. Ibadah. Ibadah then is a profitable trade and there is great bliss in it. And we want to understand this. We want to realize this. And what great loss and ruin result from transgression and dissipation. Fusq and safaha. And then we understand that in transgressing the boundaries that God has placed on us and in dissipation, just listening to our com- compulsive souls, and doing whatever it wants, listening to our animal instincts, living like an animal. 
what great loss and ruin is there in this. If you want to understand this, pay attention and listen to this parable. Bir vakit iki asker uzak bir şehire gitmek için emir alıyorlar. Once two soldiers received orders to go to a distant city. Beraber giderler, ta yol ikileşir. They set out and traveled together until the road forked. In most of these parables, the, especially in the first eight words, we see that there is a um, bifurcation of choices. And this obviously represents our ability to choose between good and evil, beautiful and ugly, right and wrong. They set out and traveled together until the road forked. Bir adam orada bulunur, onlara der. A man who was standing at the fork said to them. So there is a there is this moment of choice and there is also a guide. They are not left alone. They are subjected to the trial of making a choice and they are also given a guide to guide them to the correct path, to the right path, to the straight path. Onlara der. Şu sağdaki yol hiç zararı olmamakla beraber onda giden yolcudan yolculardan Ondan dokuzu büyük kar ve rahat görür. Soldaki yol ise menfaati olmamakla beraber on yolcusundan dokuzu zarar görür. Hem ikisi kısa ve uzunlukta birdirler. Yalnız bir fark var ki intizamsız, hükümetsiz olan sol yolun yolcusu çantasız, silahsız gider. Zahiri bir, zahiri bir hıffet, yalancı bir rahatlık görür. İntizamı askeri altındaki sağ yolun yolcusu ise Mugaddi hülasalardan dolu dört okkalık bir çanta ve her adımı alt ve mağlup edecek iki kıyıyelik bir mükemmel miri silahı taşımaya mecburdur. So what did this man at the place where the road forked say to them? He said, this road on the right side is completely harmless. This, the road on the right is completely harmless. Moreover, nine out of ten people who take it find great profits and comfort yet. The road on the left side offers no advantages at all. And 9 out of 10 who take it experience harm. So if it was only this, it would probably be easy to make the choice. Right? If we use our intellect, the road on the, uh, on the right side is harmless and 9 out of 10 people profit. And the road on the left side has no advantages at all. And 9 out of 10 who take it experience harm. It's an easy choice, right? But there is some more. Both roads are equal in length. The roads are equal in length. Okay, that's also easy. They have only one difference. So what's the other difference? The road on the left has no regulations or governing authority. And those who take it carry no baggage or arms. No regulations, no authority to answer to, and no baggage or arms to carry. But remember, it was, uh, it, it was a road where there was harm 9 out of 10 and there is no other advantage so if it looks like no regulation and governing authority and not carrying a baggage or arms if th- that looks like an advantage to you yes you may think that there is an advantage advantage here but the guide is saying that there is no advantage to it so from the beginning we should understand then using our intellect that uh, the absence of regulation or governing authority or baggage or arms to carry is actually not an advantage. But it might be attractive to something. It might be attractive to the compulsive soul that does not want to be governed, that does not want to have a load to carry. 
So it's not the intellect that's going to be intervening here. Something else will be intervening. So the man continues to say, they experience an ostensible, ostensible, this is the key word, lightness and deceitful, again a key word, ease. On the other hand, the road on the right side is under military order. So there is a strict, well-regulated order there. Whoever travels on it has to carry a bag filled with nutritious rations, weighing four okkas, and a perfect army rifle, weighing two qiyas, that can subdue and defeat all enemies. So the one who travels on the right path, or the path on the right side, has to carry a bag weighing four okkas, and okka is a measure of weight that was used in the Ottoman period. That is, but the bag is filled with nutritious rations. He's not carrying rocks. He's not carrying unnecessary uh, futile load. He's carrying his rations. And also a perfect rifle, army rifle, so that the rifle does not belong to him. It belongs to the army. Weighing two qiyas, another measure, uh, measure of weight used in the Ottoman period. That can subdue and defeat all enemies. So he has provision and he has protection. But he has to carry it. Let me read this uh, what the man said from beginning to end without explanation so that it is more clear. This road on the right side is completely harmless. Moreover, nine out of ten people who take it find great profits and comfort. Yet, the road on the left side offers no advantages at all. And nine out of ten who take it experience harm. Both roads are equal in length. They have only one difference. The road on the left has no regulations or governing authority, and those who take it carry no baggage or arms. They experience an ostensible lightness and deceitful ease. On the other hand, the road on the right side is under military order. Whoever travels on it has to carry a bag filled with nutritious rations, weighing four okkas, and a perfect army rifle, weighing two qiyas, that can subdue and defeat all enemies. So... Now he has to make a choice. Or they now the, the two men need to make a choice. O iki asker, o muarif adamın sözünü dinledikten sonra, şu bahtiyar nefer sağa gider. Bir batman ağırlığı omuzuna ve beline yükler. Fakat kalbi ve ruhu binler batman minnetlerden ve korkulardan kurtulur. Having listened to this learned man's words. <coughs> so another qualification here. This is not just any man. He is... A learned man. He is not any man. He is learned. He knows what's going on here. Having listened to this learned man's words, the fortunate one among the two soldiers goes to the right. He shoulders a few pounds of load, but his soul and heart remain free of fears and obligations that weigh thousands of pounds. So there are two kinds of load here. One is the load that is put on the shoulder, that is on put on the body, the physical uh, aspect of our existence and it is you know, a few pounds and he has to bear it but his soul and heart there's another kind of load there's a load that's placed on the soul and on the heart and they remain free of fears and obligations because he has a protection that weighs thousands of pounds öteki bedbah nefer ise askerliği bırakır Nizama tabi olmak istemez. Sola gider. Cismi bir batman ağırlıktan kurtulur. Fakat kalbi binler batman minnetler altında ve ruhu hadsiz korkular altında ezilir. 
hem herkese dilenci, hem her şeyden, her hadiseden titrer bir surette gider. Ta mahalli maksuda yetişir, orada asi ve kaçak cezasını görür. The other unfortunate soldier leaves the army. Now we need to remember these are both soldiers. They are already conscripted. They are not set free. They are conscripted soldiers under already under military order. But when they came to the road, one of them had the choice to leave the army, to leave military regulation, and and and not to recognize authority. That's what this one did, and he was unfortunate for his for his choice. The other unfortunate soldier leaves the army. He does not want to submit to order and goes off to the left. His body escapes a weight of 15 pounds, but obligations weighing thousands of pounds constrict his heart and countless fears crush his soul. As a side note here, four batmas and tuqiyas amount to somewhat something like 15 pounds and together 15 pounds is a batman in the Ottoman uh, you know, periods measures of weight. He does not want to submit to order and goes off to the left. His body escapes a weight of 15 pounds, but obligations weighing thousands of pounds constrict his heart and countless fears crush his soul. He gets hungry. He needs to procure nutrition. He needs to procure food. The other one is carrying the food in his bag. Animals attack him. There are dangers on the way. He needs protection. He needs to be alert at all times. The other one has his, his, his rifle that can protect him from everything. He carries on. Thousands of pounds constrict his heart and countless fears crush his soul. And he carries on begging for all his needs and trembling with fear before each and every event. Finally, he reaches the journey's end and there he receives the punishment of a rebellious deserter because he deserted the army. He was not a free agent from the beginning. He was in the army and he deserted the army. And he is now at the destination. He is now going to be punished for rebellion. There is no advantage. He did not carry a load, but there was no advantage and he found harm at the end. Askerlik nizamını seven, çanta ve silahını muhafaza eden ve sağa giden nefer ise kimseden minnet almayarak, kimseden hav etmeyerek rahatı kalp ve vicdan ile gider. Ta o matlub şehire yetişir. Orada vazifesini güzelce yapan bir namuslu askere münasip bir mükafat görür. As for the soldier who enjoys the orderliness of the military, he enjoys, he, he's not just tolerating it, he's not just bearing it, he is enjoying the orderliness of the military because there is great benefit in this to be enjoyed. There is safety and there is provision. As for the soldier who enjoys the orderliness of the military, who keeps his ration bag and rifle and who goes on to the right, he proceeds without begging from anyone or fearing anyone, with ease in his heart and peace in his conscience. Ease in his heart and peace in his conscience. He reaches the city of his destination and there he receives a reward worthy of an honorable soldier who has carried out his duty faithfully. Now he is discharged and he is 
given all the opportunities of this this government that has been conscripted him that are prepared for the retired soldiers. He is retiring. The other one is being punished. This one is retiring. Oh, the unruly soul. Here we should remember once again that Ustad Nursi writes these treaties. Whatever he writes, he writes is for his compulsive soul, to addressing his compulsive soul. And we should read or listen addressing our compulsive souls. We should not read as if we are reading a magazine. We should find ourselves, we should place ourselves in the position of the addressee of what is going on here. Addressee of the message that is contained in the treatises that we are reading. That's how we should read the Quran too. That's how we should read read all exemplary books of our scholars. If not, it's going to be a futile knowledge. We don't want futile knowledge. We want to improve. We want to, to discipline our compulsive souls and purify our hearts. Ishte ey nefsi serkesh. Oh, the unruly soul. Bilki o iki yolcu biri muti'i kanunu ilahi birisi de asi ve hevaye tabi insanlardır. So now we are proceeding to the reality that is represented in this parable. Know that among those two travelers, one is an obedient follower of the divine law and the other represents rebellious followers of selfish desires. There is a nuance, an important nuance here. The one who went to the left, the road on the left, he did not follow government authority. But that does not mean that he did not follow anything. Not following anything, absolute independence, absolute freedom is not possible. It is an impossibility for human beings. One who does not follow the government order or divine order follows selfish desires. The authority on this person becomes his compulsive soul and selfish desires and in some cases Satan whispering to his heart and directing him in one way or another. He thinks that he is free. He is not free. Absolute freedom is an impossibility. That is not the counterpart. That is not the alternative to following divine order. The alternative to following divine order is following selfish desires. There is a there is an important catch here. There is an important and very harmful, very very um, destructive deception, and this deception is very powerful in our age, in our day and age, where people think, people sing songs and write poems and write stories and you know watch movies about freedom and think that they are free. They are not free. We either follow the divine order, divine law, or we follow our selfish desires. There is no third way. We always follow something. And that road is the road of life. O yol ise hayat yoludur ki, alemi ervahtan gelip kabirden geçer, ahirete gider. And that road is the road of life. Our life. 
It comes from the world of spirits, passes through the tomb, and continues to the hereafter. That's the human story. We were all created in the original creation. Our souls were all created in the original creation. We were all brought before God and we were all asked if God is our Lord. And we all said, yes, you are our Lord. We all accepted it. And this was the, the world of spirits. And we all remained in the world of spirits until the time came for us to be sent to the earth through the wombs of our mothers. And then we live the, the brief life that we live, the brief physical life that we live in this world. And then we pass on to the tomb and from there to the resurrection and to hereafter, either the paradise or the, the hell. May God protect us from it. This is human story. Each and every human being. There is no human who can escape this story. That road is the road of life. Not walking, not proceeding in on the road is not an option. We can choose the road that we follow. But not following a road is not an option. Life is not limited to the physical life that we have on this earth. Even if we were to die, we do not go to non-existence. We go to the tomb and from there to resurrection and from there to hereafter. That road is the road of life. It comes from the world of spirits, passes through the tomb and continues to the hereafter. O çanta ve silah ise ibadet ve takvadır. İbadetin çenden zahiri bir ağırlığı var. That ration bag and rifle are worship and piety. Piety is taqwa, God consciousness, being aware that God is watching you in, in whatever you do and that you are going to answer to God for what you do. Taqwa. So the, the ration bag and rifle are worship and piety. Ration bag is worship. Rifle, what protects us is taqwa. And there is, there is great protection in piety, in taqwa. There is an apparent burden in worship. We are not going to say that there is no burden in worship. There is an apparent burden. It's not real. It is apparent. It appears and it veils something behind it. That appearance veils the reality of it. In its reality, there is no burden in it. Fakat manasında öyle bir rahatlık ve hafiflik var ki tarif edilmez. So there is an apparent burden in worship, but the comfort and ease contained in its essence and meaning defies description. So in its reality, in its essence, there is comfort and ease in worship. Çünkü abi namazında der, because a worshipper of God declares in his prayer, salat, the the five daily prayers and then there, there can be extra uh, prayers that one adds to this. So when we say prayer here, we mean the salah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. There is no deity worthy of worship except God. Yani. So what does this mean? Yani, that is. 
Halık ve Rezzak ondan başka yoktur. Zarar ve menfaat onun elindedir. O hem hakimdir, abes iş yapmaz. Hem rahimdir, ihsanı merhameti çoktur diye itikad ettiğinden her şeyde bir hazine-i rahmet kapısını bulur. So, what does la ilahe illallah mean? That is, one who believes this and declares it, believes there is no creator, khaluk, or provider, razak. So if there is no creator or provider, and everything is being created constantly, and that's an important secret that we should recognize, nothing in the creation has independent existence. Everything in the creation depends on God's creation for their existence, and they depend on God's continuous or continual creation. If he did not will us into existence for a for an instance, they would cease to exist. So if something is attacking me, I'm in the forest, a lion is attacking me. If God did not will the lion into existence in the next moment, the lion would cease to exist. If we were to understand this, if we were to realize this, but not just intellectually, if, we, if, if this soaked our hearts, if this sank in our hearts and in, in our spirits, there would be no fear. So, for the person who declares Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, he believes that there is no creator, and therefore there is no fear. And there is no provider other than God. So there is no creator other than God. There is no provider other than God. If I am worrying about my provision for the next hour, for the next day, well, it is God who provides. And if he wills, he will provide. If he does not will, there is a wisdom in that. Harm and benefit are in his hands. And only in his hands. This is an absolute. This is an exclusive. It is in his hands only. Harm and benefit, no one else. Nothing else can harm us or benefit us other than him. On appearance, he may be using means. He may be harm, giving us harm or giving us benefit through means, but they are apparent. They are in appearance. They are veiling the reality. And that's, that has a wisdom. This is the world of trial. And if the reality was you know, not veiled in this way, there would be no trial. He is wise and hakim. Uh, the, the word wise does not fully convey the meaning of al-hakim. There's hikmah, there is wisdom in what he does, which means that whatever he does has a perfect purpose. If we are, if we are going through tribulation, for instance, that is from him and by him. And there is wisdom in it. There is a beautiful, there is a perfect purpose in that. One who knows that, once, one who knows this 
has ease in his heart and peace in his soul, even if he is going through tribulations. And he is compassionate, he is the mercy giver, he is a Rahim. So he does not do anything to torture us. He has mercy. Whatever he does for us or to us, there is a wisdom behind it and that wisdom is cloaked in his mercy. It is something that in the end ultimately helps us, aids us, improves us, provides for us, takes us from point A to point B and the point B is always, always better if we know how to respond to the whole, to, to being transferred from point A to, to point B. If we are in a state of gratitude in times of ease and we are if we are in a state of patience in times of difficulty. He does nothing in vain and he gives his blessings and mercy in abundance. So the one who says Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah there is no God but Allah. Who the one who says this and, and with with certitude in his heart, in his prayer, this person has a conviction that God is the only creator, only provider, and there is no benefit or harm other than from him. And he is wise, he does everything with wisdom, and he is the Rahim, and there is he does nothing in vain and he gives his blessings and mercy in abundance. The one who says Ashadu an la ilaha illallah in the prayer is convinced, has certitude in this reality, in these realities. And therefore, therefore, he finds in all things a door opening to the treasury of mercy. In all things. In all things. In the tree that's blossoming out on in the in the plains and the sky that's blue on in one moment and gray and rains he finds mercy in the rain he finds mercy in the in the sunshine he finds mercy in health he finds mercy in sickness he finds mercy in hunger he finds mercy in the food he finds mercy in thirst he finds mercy in water or, or beverage he finds mercy in weakness and he finds mercy in strength he finds mercy everywhere in everything he finds the door of mercy in everything then dua ile çalar then he knocks on that door with supplication so he finds the door and it's important if you don't know the door you won't be able to knock on it he finds the door and he knocks on it with supplication. So he first it said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. He confirmed and settled with the reality. And then in that reality, he found mercy and then he, the doors of mercy, and he's now knocking on that, on that door. He's asking for mercy. Hem her şeyi kendi Rabbisinin emrine müsahhar görür. Rabbisine iltica eder. Tevekkül ile istinad edip her musibete karşı tahassun eder. İmanı ona bir emniyeti tamme verir. He knocks that door with supplication and he sees that everything is in submission to the command of his nurturing master, Rabb. 
He seeks refuge. He seeks refuge in his nurturing master, Rab. He puts his trust in God and finds protection against all tribulations. His faith gives him a complete sense of security. His faith becomes his fortress. His faith becomes his fortress to take refuge in. Evet, her hakiki hasenat gibi cesaretin dahi menbaı imandır, ubudiyettir. Her seyyiat gibi cebanetin dahi menbaı dalalettir. This is really nice. Yes, the source of courage as is the source of all real virtue is faith and the recognition of one's servanthood, slavehood to God. So what's courage? What's the source of courage? Where does courage originate from? It originates from as all real virtues originate from faith and the recognition of one's slavehood to God. And the source of cowardice is aberration from faith and as is the source as is the source of all evil. The source of cowardice is aberration from faith as is the source of all evil. One who has faith finds refuge in his faith and therefore there is nothing to fear. One who does not have faith finds no fortress to take refuge in and therefore that leads this person to cowardice. Evet, tam münevverül kalp bir abidi küreyi arz bomba olup patlasa ihtimaldir ki onu korkutmaz. Belki harika bir kudret-i samedaniyeyi lezzetli bir hayret ile seyredecek. Yes, indeed. If the earth were to explode like a bomb. Now imagine this. The earth. And that, that's a possibility. If the earth were to explode like a bomb. And what a bomb that would be. This would likely not scare a slave of God with an illuminated heart. With a heart that sees, that is able to see the reality of things. Maybe he would watch this in a state of pleasurable awe as a spectacle of the eternally besought one's power, Al-Samad's power. And remember, Ustad Nursi does not use any word and especially the names of God for vain. Here he is using the word Al-Samad or As-Samad. And Samad means eternally besought one is the most common translation but as we had mentioned before what it means is one who does not need anything and every everything or everybody is in need of for everything that they need so the earth is exploding what do we need we need protection we need um, a knowledge of what's going to happen next what's going to happen to us we, need, we have a lot of needs at that moment. And we know that our Lord is a summit, the one who does not need anything and that everything and everybody turns to for all of their needs. So he turns to a summit and watches what's going on as a spectacle because he is wise. God is wise, Al-Hakim. God has mercy. He is not going to do something that does not have wisdom in it and that does not have mercy in it. If the earth is exploding, that means there is mercy and wisdom in that. So, let's watch. Let's watch what he does. Fakat meşhur bir münevverül 
münevverül akıl denilen meşhur bir münevverül akıl denilen kalpsiz bir fasık filozof ise gökte bir kuyruklu yıldızı görse yerde titrer acaba bu serseri yıldız arzımıza çarpmasın mı der evhama düşer. On the other hand when a famous yet disobedient and heartless philosopher supposedly with an enlightened mind sees a comet on the sky he trembles on earth. He asks in a state of apprehension, won't that stray celestial body hit our heart, hit our earth? Look at the description here. Won't that stray celestial body hit our earth? Is there anything that has stray in the creation? No. Why? Because God is God is a Hakim. He is wise. He does everything with wisdom, with a perfect purpose. If something has a perfect purpose, it's not stray. The comet has a perfect purpose. The earth has a perfect purpose. The fire has a perfect purpose. The, the storm has a perfect purpose. The sickness has a perfect purpose. Then nothing is stray. But a person who has lots of information, who has accumulated lots of information and very intelligent, famous, yet disobedient, heartless philosopher, supposedly with an enlightened mind, sees a comet on the sky and because he thinks that this is a straight celestial body, he trembles on earth. He asks in a state of apprehension, won't that straight celestial body hit our earth? And then there is a note in parenthetical marks here. Bir vakit böyle bir yıldızdan Amerika titredi, çokları gece vakti hanelerini terk ettiler. Once America quaked at the sight of such a comet and many people left their homes in the middle of the night. This, as far as I understand, refers to the uh, the comet Halley uh, passing close to Earth and which happens, I think, every 70 years or so, something like that. And when this happened, apparently in America, people had learned about it and were trembling and they left their houses in fear of this comet hitting the earth and maybe have there there being an earthquake and so on and so forth. And this must have been in the news and Ustad Nursi must have read this in the news and that's why he's uh, making a note here about you know people actually being affected from such things. But the absence of faith, absence of complete and true faith and certitude Certainty being the source of this this this fear. Evet, insan nihayetsiz şeylere muhtaç olduğu halde sermayesi hiç hükmünde. Yes, man is in need of infinite things. Man's needs are infinite, but his capital amounts to nothing. What does this remind us of? The first word and explanation of Ards and Fakr in the first word. Man's needs are infinite. Man is in absolute neediness. Fakr. But his power is almost nothing. His capital amounts to nothing. Man is ajiz and fakir. Ajiz and fakr are the defining qualities of humankind. Hem nihayetsiz musibetlere maruz olduğu halde iktidarı hiç hükmünde bir şey. He is subject to innumerable tribulations, but his power too amounts to nothing. 
adeta sermaye ve iktidarının dairesi eli nereye yetişirse o kadardır. Fakat emelleri, arzuları ve elemleri ve belaları ise dairesi, gözü, hayali nereye yetişirse ve gidinceye kadar geniştir. This is the, the human condition, the problem that humans have. His capital and power are limited to a realm extending as far as his hand reaches. While his hopes, aspirations, pains and afflictions extend as far as the reach of his eyes and his imaginations. As far as a circle that's that is defined by the reach of his eyes and his imagination. And his power and capital compared to his needs is next to nothing because infinite anything next to infinite is amounts to nothing 10 divided by infinite is zero bu derece aciz ve zayıf fakir ve muhtaç olan ruhu beşere ibadet tevekkül tevhid teslim ne kadar azim bir kar bir saadet bir nimet olduğunu bütün bütün kör olmayan görür dert eder Now, what is the solution? We identify, identify the problem. We identify the tribulation. What is the solution? Anyone who is not completely blind would see and understand what great profit, bliss and blessing such a powerless, weak, poor and needy human being has in slavehood to God. Ibadah. Being God's slave. Relying on God, tawakkul, believing in one God, tawheed, and submitting to God, taslim. So these are very beautiful words that we should try to remember. Ibadah, tawakkul, tawheed, and taslim. Being a slave of God, serving God, worshipping God. Relying on God, tawakkul. Believing in one God and refusing everything else as objects of worship and trust and provision and protection and so on and so forth. Finding God as the creator, the provider, the protector, the king to turn to for all our needs and for all our afflictions and submitting to God Taslim so if we turn to him then we follow his command he directs us and we take the direction Taslim malumdur ki zararsız yol zararlı yola melev on ihtimalden bir ihtimal ile olsa tercih edilir Halbuki meselemiz olan ubudiyet yolu zararsız olmakla beraber ondan dokuz ihtimal ile bir saadeti ebediye hazinesi vardır. Fısk ve sefahat yolu ise hatta fasıkın itirafıyla dahi menfaatsiz olduğu halde ondan dokuz ihtimal ile şekaveti ebediye helakede bulunduğu icma ve tevatür derecesinde hadsiz ehli ihtisasın ve müşahedenin şehadetiyle sabittir ve ehli zevkin ve keşfin ihbaratıyla muhakkaktır.
Okay. It is obvious that a harmless path is preferable to a harmful path even if the probability of harm is only 1 out of 10. Two roads, two paths. One is harmless. The other, let's assume it is 1 out of 10. There's a, there's a chance of harm 1 out of 10. In our parable and in our reality, it is maybe 99 out of 100. But let's assume it's 1 out of 10 and the other one is 0 out of 10. Anyone who has intellect is going to pick the road with no possibility, no probability of, of harm. I suppose that's granted that we can easily accept. That being the fact, the path of slavehood and the word that is being used here is uh, for, for uh, servanthood or slavehood is ubudiyah. Now there's ibadah and there's ubudiyah. They are both coming from the same root, from abd, which is slave or servant. Ibadah is the act of worship, praying five times a day, going on hajj if one has the health and means, fasting in Ramadan or at other times of the year, um, giving obligatory alms, zakah, and so on and so forth, doing zikr. This is what? This is ibadah. This is worship. Ubudiyah, on the other hand, is the state that one assumes, is the position that one assumes before God. God is the Lord. We are his slaves. And the revelation, the outcome, the, the uh, consequence of slavehood is worship. So the consequence of Abudiyah, the state of Abudiyah, is Ibadah. So that being the fact, the path of Abudiyah, being a slave to God, choosing, right? there is no way we can for us not to choose being a slave of God, whether we obey Him or we don't obey Him. We are His slaves. But one can fulfill the obligations of being a slave of God and, and then start to enjoy it, or one can refuse to fulfill the obligation of being a slave of God, be in a state of rebellion. Even in a state of rebellion, he's a slave of God. But one can either be in a state of obedience or a, or a state of rebellion. One can be a slave in a state of obedience or a slave in a state of rebellion. As we said at the beginning, there is no third way. There is no absolute freedom. We are all slaves and we will all remain slaves. But that is an honor. If we, if we chose to be in a state of obedience, then we would realize that this is an honor. This is a bliss. This is a blessing. This is protection and safety and security and, and joy. That being, the, that being the fact, that is, the in, intellect would pick a road without any harm over a road that has some harm or any harm. That being the fact, the path of slavehood or buddhiya that we consider here is harmless and with a probability of 9 out of 10, it leads to a treasure of eternal bliss. Why 9 out of 10? Why, what is the 1 out of 10? If, if the person chose to be a, an obedient slave of God, well, even if, even if 
and when we choose to obey God, our compulsive soul and the Satan and the dunya, the, the uh, lonely world, are not going to leave us alone. And there is always going to be a trial and there is always the probability of stumbling. So there, is, there isn't 100% uh, you know, safety because there is still this, this struggle. The struggle is going on. The struggle will go on until the moment that when we submit our souls back to God. Submit our spirits back to God. That being the fact, the path of slavehood that we consider here is harmless and with a probability of 9 out of 10, it leads to a treasure of eternal bliss. There is no harm that is in the essence of this road, but our composite souls may fail to benefit from it. So the harm that we talked about here, like the 1 out of 10, is the failure to benefit from it. It's not direct harm. There is no harm coming from the road, but we may fail to benefit from it. And ten out, 9 out of 10, it leads to a treasure of eternal bliss. Whereas the path of transgression and vice has no benefits. There is no benefit in its essence. Even the disobedient sinners testify to this, maybe not at the moment of sin. Right? Say a person is um, drinking alcohol. This person may be enjoying the taste and sensation of the, the, the liquid that's going through his or her throat. We will grant that. But... If this person was asked about the consequences of drinking that alcohol and becoming drunk and losing his her or her consciousness and the long-term effects of that, especially when those effects become apparent at old age, then they will testify. They will say, well, it would have been better for me not to do this. Moreover, in 9 out of 10 cases, the path of transgression leads to a devastating eternal misery, which we know with a certainty based on the consensus and corroborating testimonies of innumerable people who have attained profound knowledge, Gnostics, and witnessed the truth, as well as on the acknowledgement of those who have experienced God's wonders and discovered the hidden dimensions of reality. Again, we said 9 out of 10 cases. Why? Well, there is still and always the possibility of God having mercy on this person and leading him to the true path until the moment when this person submits his spirit back to God. Elhasıl, ahiret gibi dünya saadeti dahi ibadete ve Allah'a asker olmaktadır. Öyle ise biz daima elhamdülillahi ala ta'ati ve tevfik demeliyiz. Öyle ise biz daima elhamdülillahi ala ta'ati ve tevfik demeliyiz ve Müslüman olduğumuza şükretmeliyiz. In conclusion, not only the happiness of the hereafter, but even the happiness of this world lies in worshipping God. This is important. This is one of the key um, benefits of reading the Risale-i Nur. The Risale-i Nur helps us realize that Faith and worship and Islam and Iman are not only for the hereafter. They are bliss, happiness, joy, comfort, ease and peace in this world. The one who has certainty 
in God and that God is the creator, the provider, the wise, the merciful, the protector. The one who, who has certainty in this will not have any fear. He will not have any troubles in this world. His soul and spirit, his heart will be in ease. His spirit will be in peace. Not only the happiness of the hereafter, but even the happiness of this world lies in worshipping God, in being his servants and soldiers, in being his slaves and soldiers, accepting that regulation on the path with eagerness, willingness and eagerness, with joy. If we remember from the second word, how the creation were coming to that country that they the protagonists of the story witnessed, they were coming in a state of joy, with eagerness and enthusiasm. Why? To fulfill, to fulfill their duties. They knew that they were fulfilling duties that were obligated upon them by a, a beautiful Lord, by a merciful Lord. In that case, we should always say, Alhamdulillah ala ta'ati wa tawfiq Gratitude be to God for obedience to Him and for success. For success in what? For success in following His command. And we should be thankful for being Muslims. And we should be thankful for being Muslims. Alhamdulillahi ala ni'matil iman wa islam We also say gratitude and, and, and, and praise be to the Lord For what? For the blessing of faith and submission to Him Submission to Him is not When, when seen from this perspective Submission to Him is not an obligation It is a blessing, it is bliss Alhamdulillah سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وآخر دعواهم أن الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة